Section 41 of The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day, by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 35 while the king rode back slowly to the convent which he then occupied albany with a discomposed aspect of defaltering voice asked the earl of douglas will not your lordship who saw this most melancholy scene of falkland communicate the tidings to my unhappy brother not for broad scotland said the douglas i would sooner bear my breast within flight shot as a butt to a hundred tyndale bowman no by saint bride of douglas i could but say i saw the ill-fated youth dead how he came by his death your grace can perhaps better explain were it not for the rebellion of march in the english war i would speak it my own mind of it so saying and making his obeisance to the king the earl rode off to his own lodgings leaving albany to tell his tale as he best could the rebellion and the english war said the duke to himself ay and thine own interest haughty earl which imperious as thou art thou darest not separate mine well since the task falls on me i must and will discharge it he followed the king into his apartment the king looked at him with surprise after he had assumed his usual seat the countenance is ghastly robin said the king i would thou wouldst think more deeply when blood is to be spilled since its consequences affect thee so powerfully and yet robin i love thee better than thy kind nature will sometimes show itself even through thy reflecting policy i would to heaven my royal brother said albany with a voice half choked that the bloody fields we have seen were the worst we had to see or hear of this day i should waste little sorrow on the wild kern who lie piled on it like carrion but he paused how exclaimed the king in terror what new evil rothsay it must be it is rothsay speak out what new folly has been done what fresh mischange my lord my lord folly and mischange are now ended with my hapless nephew he is dead he is dead screamed the agonized parent albany as thy brother i conjure thee by no i am thy brother no longer as thy king dark and subtle man i charge thee to tell the worst albany faltered out the details are but imperfectly known to me but it, the certainty is that my unhappy nephew was found dead in his apartment last night from sudden illness as i have heard oh rothsay oh my beloved david would to god i d had died for thee my son my son so spoke in the emphatic words of scripture the helpless and bereft father tearing his grey beard and hoary hair while albany speechless and conscience struck did not venture to interrupt the tempest of his grief but the agony of the king's sorrow almost instantly changed to fury a mood so contrary to the gentleman and timidity of his nature 
that the remorse of albany was drowned in his fear and this is the end said the king of the moral saws and religious maxims but the besotted father who gave the son into thy hands who gave the innocent lamb to the butcher is a king and thou shalt know it to thy cost shall the murderer stand in presence of his brother stained with the blood of that brother's son no what ho without the mcluey brandon's treachery murder take arms if you love the stort mcluey with several of the guards rushed into the apartment murder and treason exclaimed the miserable king brandon's your noble prince here his grief and agitation interrupted for a moment the fatal information it was his object to convey at length he resumed his broken speech an axe and a block instantly into the courtyard arrest the word choked his utterance arrest whom my noble liege said mcluey who observing the king influenced by a tide of passions so different from the gentleness of his ordinary demeanour almost conjectured that his brain had been disturbed by the unusual horrors of the combat he had witnessed whom shall i arrest my league he replied here is none but your grace's royal brother of albany most true said the king his brief fit of vindictive passion soon dying away most true none but albany none but my parents child none but my brother o oh god enable me to quell the sinful passion which glows in this bosom sancta maria ora pro nobis MacLouy cast a look of wonder towards the duke of albany who endeavoured to hide his confusion under an affection of deep sympathy and muttered to the officer the great misfortune has been too much for his understanding what misfortune please your grace replied MacLouy. i have heard of none how not heard of the death of my nephew rothsay the duke of rothsay dead my lord of albany exclaimed the faithful brandane with the utmost horror and astonishment when how where two days since the manner as yet unknown at falkland mcluey gazed at the duke for an instant then with a kindling eye and determined look said to the king who seemed deeply engaged in his mental devotion my league a minute or two since you left a word one word unspoken let it pass your lips and your pleasure is law to your brandon names i was praying against temptation mcluey said the heart-broken king and you bring it to me would you arm a madman with a drawn weapon but oh albany my friend my brother my bosom counsellor how how camest thou by the heart to do this albany seeing that the king's mood was softening replied with more firmness than before my castle has no barrier against the power of death i have not deserved the foul suspicions which your majesty's words imply i pardon them from the distraction of a bereaved father but i am willing to swear by cross and altar by my share in salvation by the souls of our royal parents be silent robert said the king add not perjury to murder and was this all done to gain a step nearer to the crown and sceptre take them to thee at once man and mayst thou feel as i have done that 
they are both of red-hot iron oh rothsay rothsay thou hast at least escaped being a king my liege said McLoe, let me remind you that the crown and sceptre of scotland are when your majesty ceases to bear them the right of prince james who succeeds to his brother's rights true MacLouis, said the king eagerly and will succeed poor child to his brother's perils thanks MacLouis, thanks you have reminded me that i have still work upon earth get thy brandings under arms with what speed thou canst let no man go up with us whose truth is not known to thee none in especial who has trafficked with the duke of albany that man i mean who calls himself my brother and order my litter to be instantly prepared we will to dunbarton macloe or to boot precipices and tides and my baron's heart shall defend the child till we can put oceans betwixt him and his cruel uncle's ambition farewell robert of albany farewell for ever thou hard-hearted bloody man enjoy such of share of power as the douglas may permit thee but seek not to see my face again but lest to approach my remaining child for that hour hast thou dost my guards shall have orders to stab thee down with their partisans MacLouis, let it be so directed the duke of albany left the presence without attempting further justification or reply what followed is matter of history in the ensuing parliament the duke of albany prevailed on that body to declare him innocent of the death of rosset while at the same time he showed his own sense of guilt by taking out a remission or pardon for the offence the unhappy and aged monarch secluded himself in the castle of rothsay in boot to mourn over the son he had lost and watched the feverish anxiety over the life of him who remained as the best debt for the youthful james's security he sent him to france to receive his education at the court of the reigning sovereign but the vessel in which the prince of scotland sailed was taken by an english cruiser and although there was a truce for the moment betwixt the kingdoms henry the fourth ungenerously detained him a prisoner this last blow completely broke the heart of the unhappy king robert the third vengeance followed though with a slow pace the treachery and cruelty of his brother robert of albany's own grey hairs went indeed in peace to the grave and he transferred the regency which he had so foully acquired to his son murdoch but nineteen years after the death of the old king james i returned to scotland and duke murdoch of albany with his sons was brought to the scaffold in expiation of his father's guilt and his own End of chapter thirty five read by elijah fisher